Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on Friend Day. It's Friend Day. I'm excited about Friend Day. I'm excited that I've already met some people I didn't know before. So my my friend list is growing. All right. So I'm going to add friends on Facebook and my friends list is growing. Nice to meet some of you already. Uh, I always wonder who hangs out with the people that go to church here because they're weird. And so now I'm learning. Like if you came with one of them today, I'm like, so you're the people they hang out with. That's awesome. I wonder who God forced to be their friend. And so you're it. So thank you for being their friend and thank you for coming here. None of the rest of us are weird like them. So you'll like the rest of us, okay? You'll enjoy us. It's probably just mainly your friends that are weird. You know, they say everybody has that weird uncle, and if you don't know who it is, you're probably it, right? So you're, everybody has those weird friends, and if you don't know who your weird friends are, you're probably everybody's weird friend. But it's good to have you anyways. We love weird people, so you're, you're welcome here today. you got to have issues. We've always said that's a criteria of coming here is for you to have issues so you'll make good friends here if you have issues we don't we're not hypocrites because we all just admit we got issues how's that we get rid of hypocrites if we all just admit we got issues and then we can love each other and that'll be good i want to just share briefly today we're going to give out some gifts in a little while we're going to eat some chili in a little while we're going to have just fun together under the copious amounts of sunshine that we've been graced with but i want to i want to just share for just a few minutes on friend day and um i i I saw this little story that i thought was appropriate for some of us um, Sherlock Holmes. Anybody ever heard of Sherlock Holmes? Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson go on a camping trip. After a good dinner, they retire for the night and go to sleep. Some hours later, Holmes wakes up and nudges his faithful friend and says, Watson, look up at the sky and tell me what you see. I, Watson replies, I see millions and millions of stars, Holmes. And what do you deduce from that? Watson ponders for a minute. Well, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. uh, Astrologically, I observe that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, I deduce that the time is approximately a quarter past three. Meteorologically, 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 I suspect that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. Theologically, I can see that God is all-powerful and that we are small and insignificant, a small and insignificant part of the universe. But what does it tell you, Holmes? Holmes is silent for a moment. Watson, you idiot. Someone has stolen our tent. <laughs> Some of you still don't even get it. <laughs> in 
Anybody got friends that think they know everything? Huh? People got book smarts, but they don't have any common sense, right? They can tell you all kinds of information, but they don't know how to do half of the simplest tasks there are. So Holmes uh, Watson knew all about all these different things, but the tent was missing or you couldn't see the stars. I like that. If you turn to Luke chapter 19, real quick, Luke chapter 19. Verse 1, in the city of Jericho, there lived a very wealthy man named Zacchaeus, who was the supervisor over all the tax collectors. As Jesus made his way through the city, Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus. He kept trying to get a look at him, but the crowd around Jesus was massive. Zacchaeus was a very short man and couldn't see over the heads of the people. So he ran on ahead of everyone and climbed up a blossoming fig tree so he could get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. If you're wondering, some of you are already wondering, did I talk about Zacchaeus last week? Did I read the same story last week? Yes, I did. I want to see how many weeks in a row I can tie in Zacchaeus, okay? No, I don't, but... See, it's really hard. Here's the reason I don't like the generator. Sometimes you look at me like I'm crazy, but I can hear some of you laugh. Now I can't hear anybody laugh, and you look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> I might as well just turn around and talk to this generator because he's the only thing I can hear, the only thing I can pay attention to. If I thought I could get out loud enough, I'd turn all this stuff off and just yell. So, you have to laugh louder if you laugh, okay? There, that's perfect. Like earlier, I mean, Philip, I just was trying to find him in here to make sure at least somebody was laughing at something I said because it's tough if you don't know if anybody's laughing or not. So, I want to I do as many sermons in a row as I can with Zacchaeus because I just like saying Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, right? It's fun. Also, I want to, today I'm thinking about, I'm feeling anointed to sing. So I want to do, I want to see how many songs I can tie in to this sermon today, okay? So since we're talking about Zacchaeus again, let's do it. Zac, wait. See, you can't do all the syllables with Zacchaeus. I almost did it, and then I would have been off already. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man. Yeah, y'all hit that note. He climbed up in sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as passed, he looked up in the tree and he said, You come down, for I'm going to your house today, right? So, where was I when we were reading that story? So he scurried down the tree and came face to face with Jesus. As Jesus left to go with Zacchaeus, many in the crowd complained, look at this, of all the people to have dinner with, he's going to eat in the house of a crook. Zacchaeus joyously welcomed Jesus and was amazed over his gracious visit to his home. Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, half of all that I own I will give 
to the poor. And Lord, if I have cheated anyone, I promise to pay back four times as much as I stole. Jesus said to him, this shows that today life has come to your household. Now look at this next line. For you are a true son of Abraham. The son of man has come to seek out and to give life to those who are lost. Here's our second song, right? Father Abraham had many sons and many sons. No, we're not going to do that. That's too long. I'm just kidding. Be quiet. Lisa, be quiet. We're not saying that. So, James chapter 2, 23. And the Spirit was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So I want to look at this story of Zacchaeus, and he's called a true son of Abraham. And we see in James chapter 2, 23, that Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So it's friend day, so I want to talk about being a friend of God. Just see how that works? Just, just so cool. I mean, it's so tricky, huh? All right, look at it in the Passion Translation, James 2, 23. So in this way, the scripture was fulfilled because Abraham believed God. His faith was exchanged for God's righteousness. So he became known as the lover of God. So Abraham was known as the lover of God. Look at Isaiah 41, 8. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, descendant of Abraham, my friend. 2 Chronicles 20 and 7. Did you not, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? Look at David in Psalms 23 and 1. The Lord is my... Now this is the Passion Translation. Many of you know Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But some of you may not know that the word most commonly used for shepherd is taken from the root root word ra'ah, which is also the Hebrew word for best friend. So this translation includes both meanings, the passion. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. Proverbs 18 says, Some friendships don't last for long, but there is one loving friend who is joined to your heart closer than any other. Another translation said, There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Psalms 34 and 15, The Lord sees all we do. He watches over his friends day and night. His godly ones receive the answers they seek whenever they cry out to him. So we see that Zacchaeus is called a true son of Abraham, and Abraham, we see, is God's friend, right? And we see that all the descendants of Abraham are counted to be God's friend because Abraham was God's friend. Abraham was in covenant with God, and so we see that all of Abraham's descendants were God's friends, right? And so Zacchaeus that day became God's friend. So the invitation to us, look at Ephesians 2, 
11 through 13. Therefore, remember that formerly you, see, this is for us that aren't Abraham's descendants. Some of you are already getting nervous. Like, why are we talking about Abraham's descendants being friends of God? That means many of us are excluded. Some of you in here may be uh, Abraham descendants. You may be of Jewish heritage. But many of us are the Gentiles. Most of us are the Gentiles. And so Ephesians 2, 11 through 13, Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember, I probably shouldn't preach about circumcision in an outdoor service, right? I mean, it, that's going to make all the neighborhood nervous, all the community nervous about what's happening here. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ, you who were formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So the invitation to be friends of God did not stop with Abraham's descendants because because of Jesus and because of what he did, the invitation is now to us. But he is a friend to us, but it's our decision if we reciprocate friendship with him. See, Abraham became a friend to God, not just a friend of God, right? And so he is our friend. Uh, we know he's that our friend because John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no man than he give his life for his friends. So even before we responded to his love, he still called us friends. He already called you a friend while you were a sinner, while you're away from him, while you wanted nothing to do with him. He called you friend. So Jesus is like all those people on your social media that send you friend requests and you ignore them. Right? He wants to be your friend so bad. Jesus is like the ones that I get emails from, and they say that they want to be my friend, but I don't recognize their name from anywhere, and they want me to do all this. And so Jesus wants to be our friend, but it's up to us whether we reciprocate friendship with him. You want to be a friend of God. You want to be his friend. You want to walk in fellowship with him. You want to walk in unity with him. And the invitation is for you to be his friend. Zacchaeus became a friend of God, became a true son of Abraham that day. He showed himself to be a friend of God like Abraham showed himself to be a friend of God. Now, see, the first thing we have to do, though, is realize who did Jesus eat with in the Bible? He had a reputation of eating with sinners. So if you want to be one that Jesus eats with, first of all, you have to be a sinner. So everybody in here, if you can check that box, you're in a good place. And if you say you're not, then you're a liar. So you can check that box, right? So for us to be a friend of God, first off, we have to be tore up from the floor up. We got to be jacked up. We got to have issues. We have to need a Savior. And we have to realize we need a Savior. See, that's what's wrong. He said, I came when the Pharisees rebuked him from eating with the sinners. He said, I came 
for the sick. The, the well don't need a physician. I came to the sick. I did not come to help the people who think they have it all figured out. So we have to come in our plate to a place in our life where we realize that we don't have it all figured out. And we need a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We need a friend that is not going to be repelled from us because of all the bad choices that we've made. Even when our brother leaves and when our parents leave and when everyone else forsakes us, we need a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We need a friend that says, if your father and your mother forsake you, I will take you in. We need a friend that will stand by us. We need a friend that has redemption in his hand. We need a friend that shed his own blood while we were yet sinners so that we can live with him forever. We have to come to a place where we realize that we need a friend. And if we don't come to that place, our life can be in shambles, but if we can't admit we need Jesus, then we don't open the door to him. He says, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man will open the door to me, I will come in and I will sup with him and him with me. I think there's a picture in that. He says, I will come in and eat with him and him with me. I mean, what's the deal? If you eat with somebody, aren't they eating with you? But he said he, he dined with sinners. But I think he went and dined with sinners, but then they had to make a choice whether they dined with him. See, he went and ate what they were eating with them, but they had to choose whether they were going to eat what he was eating of him. When Jesus went to the woman at the well, he went and he was willing to drink the water from the well with her, but he gave her an invitation to drink from the water within him, which would then become water within her, and it would come forth out of her belly like a rushing mighty river, and she'll never thirst again. So we have to, not only he's knocking, he's willing to come in and eat with us as sinners but if we invite him in, and if we will realize our need for him, he will let us partake with him of something that we did not possess on our own. So it's different to, for him to eat with us and for us to eat with him. We have to realize that we're a sinner and we need him. There's only two kinds of people that Jesus, the scriptures say Jesus was seeking. He was seeking, right there at the end of the story of Zacchaeus, he, came, he said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. So if you want him, if you want him to be seeking after you, you got to be lost. I'm talking about like a small ball in high weeds lost, right? Anybody, was anybody like a small ball in high weeds was anybody so messed up you didn't know what was going on, huh? Would anybody admit it? Come on. We were lost. And you know what else he tells? He tells the woman at the well that he's seeking those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. So God is looking for the lost to save, and he's looking for the ones that knew they were lost, know they've been saved, and they're not ashamed to lift up worship to his name. He's looking for lost and worshipers. You're one of those two people, or you're just clueless. 
You're either a sinner in need of his grace and in need of his salvation and desperate for him, and you're right at the precipice of realizing that and him coming in and transforming in your life, or you're someone that has come to that realization, you've submitted your life to him, and you wake up every day with praise on your lips and worship in your heart because you're so thankful that he came for you. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, short man. We see that in stature in this story. But we also know that all of us have come up short. We've come up short in our efforts to reach God. We have to realize that it's not in our own strength. It's not what we can do. It's not how good we are. We can't reach him. I think it's amazing. Sometimes we look at these stories. Zacchaeus climbed a tree. Well, man, Zacchaeus was hungry. Zacchaeus wanted God. Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree. Look at that effort. Look at that drive. Look at that passion. Look. All of what Zacchaeus did was still just in response to what Jesus did. Jesus came to Zacchaeus. Jesus came near. Jesus came close. Jesus came to a place. Jesus let the words get in Zacchaeus' ear. Jesus let faith arise in Zacchaeus. Jesus drew Zacchaeus to himself. Zacchaeus just responded, climbed up in a tree so he can see him. But Jesus instigated the hunger in Zacchaeus. Man, we didn't find God. We didn't find him. Number one, we didn't even know we needed him. We didn't know we were lost. We didn't know we needed a savior. If we've come to him, it's because out of his mercy and out of his love, he's drawn us to himself. And he's displayed his heart to us. I think it's a beautiful picture that Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree so he could see Jesus. I think that is such a... Jesus, as much as it's beautiful that Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree, Jesus decided that wasn't good enough. He said, I don't want people... I mean, people are falling short every day. People are having struggle. Then if we add another thing that they've got to climb up in a tree to see me, that might just be the obstacle that they can't overcome. Jesus constantly, look, he left heaven and came to earth to close the gap. He came down Zacchaeus Street to close the gap. He came down your street to close the gap. He came to seek and to save you. He came to Zacchaeus and closed the gap. But you know what? He went a step further. Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree so he could see Jesus. Jesus climbed up on a tree so you could see him. He said, if I be lifted up, I draw all men unto me. We no longer have to climb up in a tree. We no longer have to try to go out of our way to see him. He's made himself to be known and to be seen and to show his love abroad. There's no way we can deny the love of the Father because of the sacrifice of the Son. He put himself on a tree so that we can know him. He came near. He was obedient even unto death. He's done everything to display the heart of the Father to you so that you would accept his invitation to be a friend. 
You got to know you're jacked up. You got to know you've got problems. In Luke chapter 15, he talks about leaving the hundred sheep and going after the one. This is in response to the Pharisees again who are rebuking him for eating with the sinners. I'll leave the 99 and I'll go after the one and then I'll call all my neighbors and tell them to celebrate me with me because I found my lost sheep. How many people know you are the treasure in a field that Jesus saw and went and gave his life so that he could buy that field and have you as a treasure. See, a lot of people think that's us, and Jesus is the treasure, and you sell all, and you gave all. Listen, nobody's ever gave all except him, so we don't have the capacity to truly give all. He is the one who gave all. We're the treasure in the field that he found, that he came after, that he looked for. We're the one out of the 99. We're the lost coin that he searched for all night. We are the treasure in the field that he gave it all to purchase and redeem to the Father. He left heaven to come after us. Romans 5, 6-11. Will you look there with me? Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to a selfless sacrifice, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. Now that we are set right with God by means of this sacrificial death, the consummate blood sacrifice, there's no longer a question of being at odds with God in any way. If when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son, now that we're at our best, just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by means of his resurrection life. Now that we've actually received this amazing friendship with God, we're no longer content to simply say it in plodding prose. We sing and shout our praise to God through Jesus the Messiah. We're not content to simply say it in plodding prose. That's monotonous, just repetition with no emphasis or passion. But we realize that we have received friendship with God and we shout it and we sing it and we do it with passion and excitement and emphasis because we're overwhelmed. He who is forgiven much loves much. You know, it's not just opening the door and letting him come in. There is more to it than that. Abraham obeyed, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham was 75 years old, and God said, you're going to leave everything that you've built, 
everything that you've done, and you're going to go to a land that you don't know anything about. You don't even know where you're going until I tell you. And Abraham responds. Throughout Abraham's journey with God, Abraham responded many times in obedience. Abraham responded with his son Isaac. You know the story. He put his son on an altar, and God provided a sacrifice, but Abraham was willing through obedience to do whatever God called him to do. And that's why he was a friend of God. you got to be willing to leave the life that you're living. Jesus said, whoever wishes to save their life will lose it, but whoever gives their life will find it. If any man wants to come after me, if anyone wants to be my friend, if any man wants to walk with me, he's got to take up his cross and follow me. I don't know about anybody else. You can testify, but I found his cross to be the greatest freedom in life. His cross is the greatest freedom in life. Because on the other side of the cross is resurrection. On the other side of the cross is freedom like we've never known. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. There's great joy on the other side of taking up our cross and following Christ to wherever he leads us and to wherever he's calling us. There's great joy on the other side of that act of obedience, walking in friendship with him. Well, my favorite movies is Rocky. One of my favorite of those, and people, much of you are probably going to make a really bad face when I tell you, but one of my favorite ones of all of them is Rocky V. And, you know, that's probably the worst one. But it's my favorite. Because he loses all the stardom and all the wealth and all the riches, all the stuff, and he's back in the, on the streets that he started in. It's just raw and it's just natural. And the very end of that movie, there's all kinds of stuff that's taking place. And I'm not going through all of it, but there's this promoter guy who's a real jerk. And he goes up to Rocky at the end and tells him, just make, make some smart comments and you just see Rocky's hand ball up, right? You know, he wants to punch him. And then this guy says, touch me and I'll sue. Touch me and I'll sue, punk. Just mocks him, you know. And Rocky just looks at him and says, sue me for what? And then he just punches him, right? In the gut. Punch him in the stomach and just amazing, he flies 12 feet in the air, you know. You know, the Avengers got nothing on Rocky. I mean, they were he was supernatural way before they could, did that, right? But I think about that sometimes when we talk about taking up our cross. Like, man, I'm going to have to give up my life. It's like, give up your what? What is it? What is the sum of our life without Christ? Makes me think of Dr. Phil. How's that working for you? 
How is that life that's at enmity with God? Being a friend of the world and being an enemy of God, how does that work for us? Tell me about when you put your head down at night on your pillow, how well it works for you. How does it work knowing we're scrambling, we're conning, we're trying to convince everybody we're something we're not. We're always trying to work and move and hustle and get everything to work out. We're always trying to prove to ourselves and everybody else that we're worthy. How's that feel? How's that work for you? Let me tell you the answer to that. Just realize you're unworthy. <laughs> Just come to Jesus and say, I'm unworthy. And then he covers you with his blood and he says, I make you worthy. Your righteousness is filthy rags, but I cover you with my righteousness and I make you beautiful. And I prayed you before the Father and all he sees is my righteousness on your life. We're friends with him. But gotta be willing to leave the life that's at enmity with God. So many of us try to do it both. Man, I'm a friend of the world. I'm, I'm trying to find my worth in the world. I'm trying to hustle everything I do every day, all my time. But then I'm at the same time want to get a pat on the back from God. God just becomes another person you're trying to hustle. And hey, you can hustle me. I've been hustled so many times it ain't even funny. <laughs> you can hustle your spouse. You can hustle your kids. You can hustle your employer. You can hustle everybody, but you can't hustle yourself. And you can't hustle God. The greatest freedom is to be able to look yourself in the face in a mirror and know you're not the sum of everything you've ever done, but you're covered in the blood of Jesus. And he's forgave you, and he's washed you clean, and you know that you are walking in his righteousness and in his glory, and you've drawn near to the Father, and he's drawn near to you. It's an invitation to be a friend. He says, I stand at the door, and I knock, if any man lets me come in, I'll eat. John 14 says, if you love me, show me by doing what I've told you. During his days as president, Thomas Jefferson and a group of companions were traveling across the country on horseback. They came to a river which had left its banks because of a recent downpour. The swollen river had washed the bridge away. Each rider was forced to ford the river on horseback, fighting for his life against the rapid currents. The very real possibility of death threatened each rider, which caused the traveler who was not a part of the group to step aside and watch. After several had plunged in and made it to the other side, the stranger Asked, uh, asked President Jefferson if he would ferry him across the river. The president agreed 
without hesitation. The man climbed on, and shortly thereafter, the two of them made it safely to the other side. As the stranger slid off the back of the saddle onto the dry ground, one in the group asked him, tell me, why did you select the President of the United States to ask to carry you across the river? The man was shocked, admitting he had no idea it was the President who had helped him. He said, all I know is that on some of your faces was written the answer no, and on some of them was written the answer yes, and his was a yes face. Man, that's the most powerful thing I possess in my life is a yes face. I remember Ron, Reinhard Bonnke, maybe you may not know him, but good night, he's led millions and millions and millions of people to the Lord and done crusades all throughout Africa. And I heard a story from Daniel Kalinda, who is his successor in taking over his ministry as Reinhardt's up in years. And one day the Lord spoke to Reinhardt Bonnke about, not going into detail, something they needed to do. So he called Daniel Kalinda the night before, and they were in different towns and all this stuff, and they had to fly or drive. I don't remember. It was a lot that had to take place. But he said, can you meet me tomorrow morning at, I think it was like 5 a.m. And so Daniel Kalinda, a young man, you know, young men don't like to get up as early, you know. They like to stay up a little late. And uh, he said, well, what's the, why 5 a.m.? I mean, you know, it's not something we're doing like tomorrow, right? We're just going to begin to strategize to do this step of obedience why can't we meet like a little later or the next day or anything like that Reinhardt Bonnke said I want God to see me jump when he speaks I want my life to respond immediately when God speaks to me that's a friend that's a modern day friend of God. I want to be a friend of God. I want to have a face that says yes. I want, I want to, when God speaks, I want him to see me jump into action. I want to be a friend of God. I don't want him just to be a friend of me. I want to walk with him in intimacy. I want to walk with him in fellowship. Can we stand up today as we prepare to leave and go eat and give prizes and all this stuff? I had a few more songs I want to sing. I forgot. And I'll sing those for you next week. It's friend day. 
A lot of friends here. I've got friends here. But every friend I have, including my spouse, who I would consider my closest friend, that knows me more than anybody else in the world, I can still fake them all. Even my spouse, I can fake them all. I can hide what's really going on in my heart. I can do those things. All our friends in this room, how many people in this room know us? Know us. God knows us. I mean, he can tell the intentions of man's heart, like separating marrow from bone. He knows us. Yet he loves us. And still wants to be a friend with us. That is the most priceless. Having God as a friend is the most priceless thing, the most priceless experience, the most priceless encounter you'll ever have in your entire life. It surpasses everything. It surpasses every emotion. It surpasses every gift. It surpasses every feeling. It is the greatest. And so many people don't encounter it. Every obstacle between you and God being a friend has been overcome, has been, has been conquered, has been, has been, I mean, like, not barely. It's been extreme, with extreme prejudice destroyed and removed. There is nothing standing between you being a friend with God other than you having a yes on your face. Having a yes in your heart. Can everybody close your eyes today? I don't normally do this, but I want to do this today. Just bow your head, close your eyes. Just where you're sitting, if you will say, I want to admit I'm at the place in my life I have come to the realization and I want to admit that my life is not going so well. My life is not what I believe he created it to be. 
Would you just raise your hand where you are? I've already seen a few. See you, see you, see you. See you. Everywhere, I see you. Everywhere. Everywhere. You just took the first step in becoming a friend, an intimate friend. Abraham was known as a lover of God. You just took the first step in becoming a friend of God. Is it many? You need a savior. You need a redeemer. You need a restorer. You need one who will take what you have. He'll take it. He'll take it. You can bring it to him just how it is. Just how it is. We just read today, you're not capable of fixing it up before you present it to him. Please just bring it the way that it is. It's not a disqualifier. Actually, it's a qualifier because that is who he was drawn to, is people who didn't try to fix up their life first. But they would be real with where they are. The second step is just... obey and so right now if you raised your hand I'm not going to ask you to do anything so just settle down probably freak some of you out so now we're going to no right where you're at can we just pray together if you raised your hand God I've already acknowledged today by raising my hand. You say it in your own way, but these, this is what we're communicating to the Father today. I've already acknowledged by raising my hand. You've seen my hand. You know my heart. You've been drawing me today. You've been talking to me today. You've been communicating to me today. You've been letting me know today that I am not, my life is not what you intended it to be, and you have more for me. And so right now, I just admit I am not where I need to be. I am one of the sinners that you dined with. I am one who is right now a sum of a bunch of choices that aren't centered on your plan and your purpose, and I don't like where my life is. I confess that, I admit that, and I need you as a savior, as a rescuer, as a redeemer. Come and dine with me today. My door is open. I receive you today. And God, just like Abraham and just like David and just like Zacchaeus and just like all those others before me, I confess I'm a sinner. I confess I need a Savior. I confess I've made a mess of this thing. And I ask you to save me and restore me. And I ask you to lead me. And guide me and direct me. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I'm willing to leave where I am. I'm willing to let this life go. I'm willing to let all my opinions and my desires that are contrary and are leading me astray and leading me away from what you have for me, I'm willing to let those go and follow you 
You don't just save me so I can run back into the mess. You save me and restore me and lead me into promise and fulfillment and wholeness and destiny in Jesus' name. And let's end with this, please. Because you can just transfer what he sought you after. He seeks those to, that are lost that he can restore, and he seeks those that worship in spirit and truth. So he sought you today, and he restored you. Let's say, while you're here, God, let me let you find a worshiper. Lord, I thank you for saving me today. God, I thank you for restoring my life. I thank you for drawing me to this place. I thank you, like Zacchaeus, that you came down my road. And when I was too short, to see you when I was too short when I came up short when all have sinned and fallen short you came near to me and you put yourself on a tree and you displayed your love to me and you displayed your promise for me today I'm forever changed because you love me and you invited me into friendship with you and I'm so thankful Thank you that you're my Savior, and thank you that you're my Lord, and I look forward to the journey with you. In Jesus' name, so be it, so be it, so be it, amen, amen, amen. Can we just celebrate? We just celebrate all over this field today. People have come into friendship with God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for coming down the street today. Thank you for coming in this field today. Thank you for coming in this place today. Thank you for drawing near to us today. Thank you for drawing us to you today. Thank you for every provision that's been made for us to walk in fellowship with you. Thank you. Thank you. Can we just thank him together, all of us, for a minute, just a few more minutes? If that wasn't you today and you say, man, I remember when he sought me out. I remember when he arrested me with his love. I remember when he invited me into friendship and he came and he dined with me. I remember that first meal we shared together. I remember the intimacy of that fellowship and I'm thankful that it's increased and it's grown. I'm thankful that it's increased and it's grown. What a friend we have in you, God. What a friend we have in you, God. You're good and your love endures forever. You're good and your love endures forever. God, we're your people. Maybe some of us, that friendship has been strained been a little distant we've withdrawn ourselves from him 
We've turned a deaf ear maybe to communication with him. We've not wanted to listen or hear what he had to say. Maybe today we should do a little reconnect. I'm sorry, Lord. You are my dearest friend. And maybe my actions have not reciprocated what I, how I value my friendship with you. Maybe I've got distracted. Maybe I've got busy. Maybe I've got a little sidetracked. God, I'm sorry for pulling away from our relationship. So today, I just want to reconnect. Thank you for never leaving me. Thank you for never pulling away from me. Thank you for staying so close and so near. Thank you for continuing to speak and draw. And today, I just want to reconnect. I want to reaffirm our friendship. I am your friend. I am one who wants to do what you say. I want to fellowship with you. I want to go with you and walk with you and be with you. I want to work with you. I want to play with you. with you and I want to relax with you because I don't know what rest is when I don't rest with you I don't know what relaxing is when I'm not relaxing with you I've tried to relax without you but there's no true rest that comes God I'd rather work with you than relax with the world I get more rest working with you than I do relaxing with the world. It's supernatural. I'm all in. I'm all in. God, if you're looking for somebody, if you're looking for a friend to do anything, if you want to speak something, I don't call you slaves, but I call you friends because I tell you what I'm doing. God, if you're looking for someone to entrust with something that you want to do, see the yes on my face. See the yes on my face. See the yes in my heart. I'm your man. I'm your friend. I'm the one. Choose me. Speak to me. Lead me. I'll follow. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.